0: Learn more at marines.com. There's probably an optimist and a pessimist in all of us. There's also probably not a 50-50 split. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of penguins and pirates that I hope you'll check out. Same place you found this. I'm going to try something hopefully fun the first couple of days of this week in taking first the optimist's approach to what might happen to your favorite football team this fall, and then tomorrow going at the pessimist approach, or as the pessimists prefer to describe themselves, the realist approach, because only the pessimists have the right to claim reality, and I'll start by putting on my rose-colored glasses and looking at this is the lowest-hanging fruit, really, the defense. Because this defense, as it currently appears on paper, in conjunction with the fact that there are three legitimate stars on that side of the football, should be, and I think it's fair to say this, a top five defense in the National Football League. Can anyone think of why it wouldn't be? If you've got T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and Minka Fitzpatrick, you are off to a soaring start. Like, you have to basically screw up the other eight players and the coaching and the instruction, and I don't look at the rest of the group as being potential screw-ups, and I definitely don't look at a new coordinator in Terrell Austin and who knows what kind of role Brian Flores will bring, but it sure won't be limited to coaching the outside linebackers. You've got yourself a pretty nice convergence for what could be a pretty good group. Yeah, you've got some concerns at inside linebacker, but Miles Jack is a really good football player that everyone wanted and everyone was very excited about. Devin Bush, Three years ago was a really good football player that the Steelers themselves were so excited about that they traded up to number 10 overall to get him. I guess you could suggest corner is a shortcoming because you lack some certainty without Joe Hayden. But look, the Steelers didn't let Joe Hayden go for nothing. You know, they loved the guy. They saw something that convinced them that he wasn't going to be able to perform at the same level for a whole lot longer. I kind of like that group out there. How could you not like what you saw of Akela Witherspoon in particular? And if you look at what he's done in Buffalo, Levi Wallace, the free agent addition there. You've got Cam Sutton as an option now to slide back to the outside if needed now that he's had a year of doing mostly that under his belt. Rest of the secondary. Mink is there. Terrell Edmonds is back. He might not have been the ideal first-round pick, but he's still a pretty good football player who happens to mesh well with one of your most important guys. Up front, sure, it would have been wonderful to have the 2020 version of Stefan Tuitt come back, but you've still got Cam, who's fresh off what might have been the best season of his career. He does not appear to age. Tyson Aluolu is back. You've got reinforcements. You've got Larry Okunjobi just added to the defensive line. Uh, I'm not super excited about Alex Highsmith because he hasn't yet given me a reason to be that. But neither am I down about him. And also, I don't know that he matters all that much given who's at the other end. It could be a very good defense. on offense, right? So I was kind of delaying it there for a little while. But let me begin with the second year breakouts, the ones that Mike Tomlin's always pushing on the players themselves. They are expected to take the biggest steps of their careers, make the largest amount of progress from their first year in the league to their second. And yeah, those guys are Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. Which means that, you know, if you liked what you saw of them as rookies, and I don't know how you couldn't have, they should be that much better in year two. They'll tell you that themselves. The offensive line, obviously the most glaring shortfall of the 2021 team, has at least had a significant, unprecedented actually, investment into it. James Daniels, Mason Cole, all cost a lot of money. Keeping Chukwukora for cost just as much money, and it'd be reasonable to expect that even if you're not excited about the younger guys on the O line, Dan Moore should be a better football player than he was last season. Kevin Dotson should be better. Even Kendrick Green could slash should be better. The offensive line is going to be better than it was. And I understand that's damning it with faint praise, but it's real. The wide receivers, uh, you know, let me try this a different way. Instead of constantly, you know, doubting on Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, let me try this by pointing out that most of last season came without Juju Smith-Schuster and with Ray-Ray McLeod. In fact, Ray-Ray became such a favorite target of Ben's that it probably hurt the other two guys, their development, their totals, and everything else. So Juju's not around, Ray-Ray's not around, and in their place, Deontay and Chase are going to be accompanied by George Pickens, highly promising prospect, by Miles Boykin, a veteran that everyone seems to have forgotten, the Steelers acquired from the Ravens. No one ever knows how good a receiver is in Baltimore until he leaves. And if one more person reaches out to tell me that I'm not talking enough about Calvin Austin, I'm going to go nuts. Look, Austin is in this mix. He is not here to be a gadget guy. He's unbelievably fast. He's going to be utilized as a weapon, and maybe not even just as a wildcard type of weapon. And all of that, of course, will be dependent in large part on the quarterbacks. We've talked so much about the quarterbacks that you don't need me to regurgitate that. All I'll add here is that these quarterbacks, whether Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett gets the job, I don't believe that Mason Rudolph has a realistic shot. Either one will be a better fit for what Matt Canada hopes to do. Now, Matt Canada. All right, that's where the optimism stops when we come back, (laughs) J1Q. for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Greg Iscat, who asks, what would it take for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl this year? And I'd like to follow that up with saying that although it's highly unlikely, it is possible. And that's where the fun comes in. (laughs) Craig, I swear, your question wasn't chosen to align with Optimist Day. But hey, way to jump the shark, my man. Wow. Uh, All right. I I mean, I can't can't do this. Uh, They're not winning the Super Bowl. Uh, They're not equipped to win the Super Bowl on the offensive side of the football. And the defense, I mean, it would have to be something that's generational. And we have seen that at times over the years, where there's a, just a brilliant defensive group on one side of the ball. I'm not talking about the Steelers. I'm talking about the whole NFL. And you just you just carry your offense. You just drag them through that. I'm thinking of the, the Ravens team. That had Trent Dilfer at quarterback. And it always seems like it's unfair to Dilfer because he's always identified as that guy, you know, the one quarterback who won a Super Bowl despite not being any good. Or Dilfer gets described uh, or cited, I should say, first and foremost anytime somebody brings up the concept of a game manager at quarterback. I don't believe that the Steelers are going to have game managers at quarterback. But I do believe, and I mean firmly, that there are too many question marks on the offense for some sort of serious run uh, at being contenders to take place. But I, I do have to say that I appreciate you dropping this question at this time because it's easy to get carried away with optimism just as it's easy to be engulfed by pessimism. I look at this football team and kind of completing the day's theme here as one that has a chance to be highly competitive within the division and within the broader schedule that it's got, which, remember, is one of the weakest in the league. I also believe that the 2022 Steelers will have an easy time Defying most people's expectations, considering that the expectations are set way too low based on most published things that I've seen and based on the current betting line that has them at 7.5 wins, you know, out of 17 games. That's not going to happen. It's just not. I believe that the defense will be better than it was last season. That's not exactly laying it on thick. I'm just saying better than last season. Let's remember, this was a team that got gashed in Minneapolis and in other games with the run game of all facets. I think they'll be better. I think the offense will be better. Also, not exactly an outlandish thing to think. There were times for long stretches of the 2021 season where this offense was unwatchable, where they couldn't move the ball to save their lives, not through the air, not on the ground, not by accident. So to say that they're going to be a better football team than they were last year seems like a pretty okay and reasonable suggestion. How many wins did they have last year? Oh, right, nine. They were nine, seven, and one. And sure, seven of those were comebacks generated by a quarterback who's no longer here. I get that. I respect that. I also understand that there are other ways to win football games if your offense is better than it was a year ago and your defense is better than it was a year ago. But tomorrow, again, tomorrow, I'm I'm going just total darkness here i appreciate the question i appreciate everyone listening to daily shot see